Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is Scott Castile from CalvaryFellowshipTC.com, and you're listening to The Engaging Missions Show. Welcome to The Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Welcome, World Changers. I'm your host, Brian Ensminger, and this is the Engaging Missions Show. I'm sitting in Studio K with our guest, Jim Baker. He's a missionary who hosts his own interview-based podcast called Doing Ministry Well. He's worked with the Hawaii Base of Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, and he's now in the Nashville area. We actually met for lunch a few weeks ago, and I can tell you that he's a great guy. I had a wonderful time getting to know him as a new friend and as a brother in Christ. So let's welcome Jim Baker to the show. Jim, it's great to have you. Brian? Thanks so much. Now, I've given just a little bit a little bit of an introduction, but as we get into this, I didn't really share much about your family or what you're doing besides your podcast. So can you fill us in a little bit on what's going on in your life? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, my wife and I just moved here um, in July from Honolulu, and uh, we are we moved out here to work with a ministry um, called the Red Schools, and uh, there's a guy that we know, Jimmy Turner, and he asked us to to come out and just help them out with that. So we're involved with that. And there's a cool story that, that goes along with that. If you want me to share that sometime, but, uh, also my wife is doing some teaching. She's actually going to be teaching in the biblical core course coming up here next week. She's going to be teaching, uh, Genesis and Deuteronomy in that school uh, for that week. That's great. So you did mention that there was a little bit more that you could share about that Red School. Would you mind going into that a little bit further for us? Yeah, sure. The Red Schools are something that uh, Jimmy Turner, the pastor that we're working with, came up with. And he's a former YWAMer as well. And we're pretty much taking a lot of the things from the Discipleship Training School curriculum, which is YWAM's first school. Mm -hmm. And we're just implementing those things in the local church. So um, we do teaching on the Father Heart of God. We hit on Jesus the Christ. We just kind of take a night each week and just kind of really hit hard on this topic. So it's a lot of teaching that you're not going to get on a Sunday morning. And so mm -hmm. it's just kind of the next level of things and really focused on discipleship. And our heart is really that people would hear and obey. And this is kind of language that we're uh, grabbing from Dave Buring as well, but just hearing and obeying and creating disciples that make other disciples. 
Man, that is so cool. I, I hadn't heard of anybody doing it. Do you still consider yourself being a YWAMer, even though you're working with this other ministry? I think once a YWAMer, always a YWAMer. <laughs> That's probably fair. Now, uh, one, one person, as you remember, we sent out a survey to some of the people that are connected with you, and one person was interested in hearing about your conversion to Christ. Would you mind sharing with us that defining moment and maybe what led up to you saying yes to God? Sure, yeah. Well, I was raised in a Christian home, and uh, in eighth grade, our church had a confirmation program. And I went through that program. And it was interesting because I remember asking about the Holy Spirit and no one could answer my question. They couldn't, (laughs) they, they kind of stuttered and I was like, what, what do you, what? But, uh, we had to go out and write a statement of faith on this big property during a retreat. And I remember just being like, okay, like this is my time to really, you know, if this is, I'm going to take ownership for this thing. And I just sensed God's presence in this field all by myself. It was the first time I think that I'd really just overwhelming peace chills like constantly i was like man god is god is real and so that was eighth grade and then ninth grade i got involved with the navigators youth ministry in my area and uh, that was the first time i'd really heard a clear clear presentation of the gospel we went to a a big uh, retreat and they gave an altar call and i went forward for that and then that night um I just confessed my sins to a, a leader in that youth group, and he just we just stayed up, and uh, he prayed for me, and we just talked through things. And I'd say that that was really my conversion experience. But more than that, I really think that my discipleship training school in YWAM um, was a huge impact on me saying yes. Uh, that program is a three-month program and then a two-month outreach, and I did that actually here in YWAM Nashville. Your wife was there at the time. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's so different to be able to see people who are hearing from God and then obeying. And uh, just a couple things that you don't see elsewhere. I remember one of my, my small group leader really felt like God was telling him to give all of his clothes away. He felt like God was just kind of saying, hey, clothing right now is an idol in your life, and I want you to give wow. all this stuff away. And it was just such like radical obedience, you know, like hearing like what what God speaks. God can <laughs> God can show me that something's an idol in my life and then ask me to give it away. And and he did that out of obedience. And to me that was radical. And I was like, wow, radical obedience. And then, you know, just meeting people that had fasted for 40 days. It's like fasting. What you, you fasted for 40 days. So just being in an organization where people heard and obeyed really helped me to take that next step to see it and be like, Oh, okay, I can do this as well. So yeah, that's something that really helped me to say yes to the Lord. So after a time of conversion, that impact on of Christ in your life, and then going through a discipleship process, I'm sure it was all puppies and kittens, and there were no challenges or anything like that? Oh, yeah, of course yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so what was it like for you? You had this conversion experience, you've been through this discipleship training school, and you've been with YWAM for a while. Would you mind sharing with us maybe a little bit of the challenges and some of the ways that God's worked through those in your life? Sure. It's so interesting being in that YWAM culture. Um, you just kind of get on a spiritual high. You're around people in community that are just going for it, hearing and obeying just in their daily lives. And, uh, and then you get pulled out of that and then you're back at home and got to find a job. And so it's just finding that transition of like, well, how does this translate into normal life? You know, the people around me haven't had these experiences and how does that translate into normal life? And it's difficult. It really is difficult to make that transition. But I think just the more you cling to Jesus, the more you just intentionally find that community that's mm-hmm. going after Jesus, that's what helps you to really keep going. 
So, so how do you, how do you get through that kind of reentry period where you've been on an outreach, you've been really seeing God doing some amazing things. You're surrounded by people who are continually challenging you forward. And then you go back, if you will, to people who haven't had that experience. How, how do you go through that? Sure. Yeah, it's it's weird. We just uh, led a missions trip to the Philippines about a year ago. And when I debriefed our team, um, I told them, uh, you know, reentry is going to happen and it's going to be difficult and you're going to get home and people are going to ask you how the trip was, but they're really not going to care. And they're not <laughs> going to realize that in 10 days, your life was radically changed. And they, they're just living their 10 days that you were gone as normal everyday life. And so I think just being prepared for that, that mm-hmm. people don't really understand the experience that you've just gone through. And so again, finding that community that understands that experience and and spending time with them and being encouraged by them is is something that really helps. Is there, as you think over your life, is there a meaningful quote or perhaps a scripture that's been really foundational to how you've approached life in ministry? Yeah. Um, my life verse is John 15, 9, and it says this, it's Jesus speaking. And this has really, really changed how I, I do life. And so it's Jesus speaking, and he says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you abide or remain in my love. And so when you break that down, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really short verse, but when you break it down, as the Father has loved me, so Jesus is saying, as much as Father God loves Jesus, then he's saying, I love you with that same amount of love. So how much does Father God love Jesus? Right. It's, it's not just a little bit. It's a lot, right? Yeah. It's like, that's the, that would be the definition of love, right? Like, it's unfathomable. And then Jesus turns around and says, I love you with that same amount of love. And that right there is, a, is you know, that's, that's amazing. But then he says this. He says, remain in my love. He's not telling you to remain in your love for him, which is what we always try to do. You know, oh, yeah. I need to be passionate. I need to, you know, I need to conjure something up here. And it's just like, when I get a revelation that God loves me that much, my automatic heart response is just to respond to God in worship. And that starts with his initiation. And I need to place myself in just abiding and remaining in his love for me. That is huge. How how do you do that? I mean, it, right? It sounds simple, right? Sure. Just abide in my love. Sure. But it's it's not actually something I think that we can actually do. Right. I think it, it does require intentionality. I, I've been trying recently to wake up and just remind myself of the gospel message. Thank God for the gospel message. God, I am a sinner, and there was nothing that I could do to earn your love. My life is a wreck without you, and I just want to thank you for your great love for me and your plan for me, and just simply reminding yourself of the gospel every day. And that's something that really helps me. So you mentioned that intentionality. Are there any particular practices or things that you do on a regular basis that you believe contribute to what God's done in your life? I wish there were. I am, <laughs> I am the... I am super undisciplined. I really wish I was more disciplined. I admire disciplined people. Um, but no, I'm a mess and Jesus just consistently <laughs> blesses me and loves me, uh, in my mess. Wow. Isn't that just how he works? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that. With that, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit from you and more toward the ministry that God has you doing. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, it's Scott McClelland. Thanks for joining us. 
Uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the Leadership Moment and certainly are open to and want to get your, your input or questions or thoughts you might have about the stuff that we're sharing. Feel free to email me at scott at fxmissions.com. You also can uh, email or engage with engaging missions on that topic and we'll collaborate. But please do let us know uh, if something's been meaningful to you. Or if you have great exception you'd like to take with something that's being said, we hope we're being a blessing to you, and please let us know. Uh, today I want to talk to you about managing expectations. It's, uh, you know, it's a long-held certainty in the field of leadership that one of the responsibilities of leaders is to manage outcomes. What that means is when what you produce, you should take responsibility for, and in some cases where your leadership is, you know, has a large scope to it, you're taking responsibility for the outcomes that other people produce as well. This is a, you know, standard stuff and we all recognize and embrace that. Not too long ago, I was reading a book on and by the title of Leadership by Rudy Giuliani. And one of the things he said in that book I thought was very, very insightful and true. Uh, former mayor, obviously, of New York City uh, when 9-11 happened, and uh, mostly the book was about that. But in this managing expectations, he said leaders have a responsibility not only to manage outcomes, not only manage results, but to manage expectations. This pointed out to me something I've seen a lot in Christian leadership is that people create uh expectations sometimes that they have no intention on paying off on just for the purpose of generating interest. And I think that's a sad thing. You've got to be responsible for the expectations that you create in your leadership. And you don't want to create false expectations, things you don't want to take responsibility for later and say, oh, what are you talking about? If there's a call to action, you need to be responsible for it. And if you create expectations, you need to be clear about them and stand up for what you've done. Scott McClelland here with your leadership moment. Contact me or us at fxmissions.com or on most social media outlets at fxmissions. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. If you have a leadership question, please send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com and visit fxmissions.com to connect with Scott and discover how you could be involved in short-term missions. All right, we are back with Jim Baker. We just finished up hearing a little bit of how God's worked in his life and God's amazing grace in his life as well. Now we're shifting our focus a little bit more toward the ministry that God's got God has going on in their life. So, Jim, as we move to the present day, from what I understand, you have two main things going on. One is the podcast, and the mm -hmm. other one is this ministry that you have going on about an hour or so outside of Nashville. If you don't mind, I'd like to focus on the podcast first. Can you share with us what that podcast is about? Sure. Uh, yeah, I uh, run a podcast called Doing Ministry Well, and our subtitle is Inspiring Stories and Practical Applications. And that really came about... Um, 
I, I used to drive from Maryland to New York a lot, and I would just always see these country churches in the middle of nowhere, you know, just a small church. And I'm uh-huh. always like, I wonder who the pastor of that church is, and I wonder if he's an amazing pastor. And so there's a lot of pastors with platforms that are doing awesome things, but I just wonder who is that one person doing ministry that's just doing it faithfully, that doesn't have a platform. And if I could sit with that person, could I just learn so much from them? And so this is just kind of my quest to interview anybody that's doing ministry and ask them real practical questions on how to do ministry well. So as you think about that, obviously, you've, I think you're in your about 25th or 30th episode. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly where you are, but you've talked to a number of people. What are, what are some of the insights that you've pulled out of those conversations? Sure. One of my favorites, well, a real recurring theme is just relying on the Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's a real recurring theme. And that's something that's interesting. I was raised in a conservative uh, church. And uh, I mean, I told you in our in our confirmation, I asked what the Holy Spirit was, and no yeah. one could really give me an answer. So that's that's an interesting recurring theme, just relying on the Holy Spirit uh, for power to do ministry. And then something that I really loved um, in a recent episode, I, I interviewed the headmaster for a classical Christian school in Kailua. Um, in Oahu. And he, his third practical step was just asking for feedback. And I think that great leaders can tell you what they know. Well, good leaders can tell you what they know, but great leaders will be humble and tell you what they don't know. And so he just talked about having this feedback loop where once a year he sends out a survey to his staff and it's just like, be honest, what can I improve on? And then he publishes those um, those results and then gives actionable steps that he's going to work on. Cause he's just like, I'm a sinner and you know, I'm leading you, but I want to make sure that I can improve and lead you guys well. And, and I don't see that in a lot of leaders and it's yeah. hard to take criticism, you know, but just to humble out and be real about like, Hey, how am I, how am I doing well? How am I not doing well? What can I improve in? And I thought that, that was just an awesome thing. And the cool thing is we, we we're working with Jimmy Turner now and about the second month in, he just gave me a phone call and his only question was, Jim, what am I doing in my leadership? That's hindering our friendship. And I was just like, wow, that's awesome that, you know, a leader would ask me that question that I'm under. So I think that that's an awesome practical thing that, we can implement. That's hard because it requires humility and you might hear something about yourself that you don't really like. So yeah, just that practical feedback uh, loop was, was something that really stood out to me. Wow. So, you know, thinking about myself, that's something that I try and get. In fact, you don't know this yet, but after we finish recording, I'm going to ask you what things I could do better. Have you found any ways that you've been able to apply that in your life? Because it's one thing to hear the feedback. It's another thing to go, okay, I know that this is God is this is how God is going to have me address that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, just the intentionality of even looking at it, you know, and it, it is hard. I think the first step is being humble enough to accept that criticism. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I'm working on a book right now, and I sent out. I thought I was finished with the book, and I sent out a sop- sample chapter to someone, and I, I just got some real hard feedback. They were just like, "You don't have a manuscript worth publishing, and you ramble." And I was just like, "Wow," you know. But it was really good feedback. I'm actually going to go back and edit that book uh, this upcoming week. But to not allow those things to destruct you, to destroy you is really important. Did that answer your question? Yeah. You know, I just appreciate your honesty and and your humility, because as I hear about that, that is not feedback that's easy for someone to to take. Because I, I remember 
middle school and well, junior high when I was in school. But, you know, at that, that age, getting that feedback from, um, an English teacher, you know, mm-hmm. you use the wrong preposition here or your commas are, you know, and that's just little tiny structural things. It's really hard to take that feedback. It's got kind of that red letter thing. So I appreciate you sharing mm-hmm. that. Now, what's going on with this ministry in Clarksville? I know that you're providing training. It's sort of modeled after YWAM. So can you, can you go a little bit deeper in that? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm just going to tell the whole story. Um, go for it. We decided that we were going to leave Honolulu. We just felt that that was the direction that God was leading us. And I kind of had a freak out moment after we (laughs) told our leaders that because my dad always told me, don't quit a job until you have another job lined up. So I'm, I'm sitting on my couch one day and I'm just like, I just quit our job and we don't have anything else lined up. Like what's going to happen? And I really just prayed, Lord, I want to be asked to go wherever I go next. Like, I want someone to ask me. I want them to want me to be there. I feel like I have a gift set that is really abrasive if you don't want me there. Okay. Um, Because I I feel like I can see what's wrong in an organization and where it can improve. And then if you don't want to hear that, you're you're not going to like me around. So it was really interesting because Jimmy called me up probably two days after I prayed that prayer. God, I want to be asked to go wherever I go next. And he called me up and just said, hey, we're running these red schools. And Jim, you, when you go to a place, you make things better. And I want you to come out here and do that for us. Um, I've been told by multiple people that we need to get organized. And I know that you can help me do that. Would you come and move out to Tennessee? And then he's just like, well, why would you leave Hawaii to come to Tennessee? (laughs) And uh, so he, it was just, it was super interesting that, and I was just like, well, we just told Hawaii that we're done. So I will consider that and uh, send an email out to our prayer team and just said, Hey, here's this offer on the table. Sounds interesting. It sounds like there's God stuff already, just the, the way it happened. And one person responded and said, uh, I'm just praying that God would supernaturally confirm that really confirm that. And then the next day or two days later, we get an email out of the blue. No one knew what was going on about Tennessee besides the the prayer team, and we get an email from someone that's not on the prayer team saying, I just feel like God's telling me to tell you if you are ever called to Tennessee, you can live in my home for free. Wow. And we're just like, well, there's the confirmation. That's that's really cool. So now you're there. What are, what are you doing? I know you're providing some training. Can you maybe lay a, a little bit of the mechanics of that out for us? Sure, sure. Well, the the structure that they have is is a 12-week course meeting okay. once a week. So there's 12 individual courses. And so we're running one right now in Clarksville, and that's going to run a full 12 weeks. And then we're also running one alongside it in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And that's running eight weeks because we kind of front-loaded the first weekend with, with four teachings okay. over a long weekend. So really right now I'm just observing, trying to help observe what is the culture of what's going on. Okay. How can we get organized? How can we do things better? in the future. So I've just been implementing simple things like let's make sure we get everyone's email list. Let's, let's send (laughs) out a weekly email, just encourage people. Let's make sure we're connecting with people. Let's make sure we start on time. Let's start, you know, end on time, just simple things like this, just to help make things run smoother Mm -hmm. and uh, more efficiently for the people. So you mentioned you've got some of this teaching on the father heart of God and things like that. Do you also have um, ministry or some kind of outreach for your students as part of that? Yeah, we were actually supposed to take a group up to Pittsburgh, um, but that didn't end up happening. So we're going to run a trip in Clarksville just to do some street evangelism. We're just going to train and equip them on how to 
be on the street and how to approach people and how to ask them if they want prayer. Um, and then, uh, there's also an opportunity to go to Cancun, um, at the end as well and work down, down there. And then we're all kind of, the whole team is kind of in and out of the country doing mission trips at any time. So anyone can join us on any of those trips. Well, that's great. As, as we think about your, your ministry and kind of what's driving your life, it can seem a lot of times to an outsider that, um, we're chasing that next notch on the gun belt or something like that. But I've, I, I have a really strong sense that really what fuels your passion is something about God. So would you mind sharing what drives you? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. What drives me? I think Jesus drives me. I, yeah. Uh, there's a quote that uh, I met with a guy in Maryland. I'm blanking on his name right now, which is horrible. But um, he, he, he told me that we're a culture that doesn't value what we say we value. And so I, I really just related to that, and it's true. And so if we say that Jesus is number one, that we are Christians, then we need to value what's on the heart of God and what is on the heart of God for us to further the kingdom of God. And so that's not an easy thing. There's plenty of distractions. Yeah. There's plenty of other things pulling um, for our attention. And so, yeah, what drives me is just daily trying to make sure that uh, that's the first thing on my mind. How am I furthering the kingdom of God? If you could do it all over again, is there anything that you would change? Hmm. Another great question. I did get these questions from really smart people. There I didn't write them all myself. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would just apply some, some wisdom, you know, throughout the ages I've had, uh, run-ins and, and difficulties with, with ministries because, uh, I, I can be abrasive, you know, and, and even it's funny how I worded it when we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, I can see what's wrong, you know, it, that's not how I should word that, you know? And so, yeah, just being gentler, being, choosing my words a little better. Uh, it, it'd be interesting to see how things would have gone in those other ministries if I would have had the wisdom that I have now. Yeah, I seem to remember a couple of characters from the New Testament that had uh, some of those challenges as well, and they're well known as Peter and Paul. They, they had some of those conflicts. <laughs> You're not alone in having challenges. Right. And I do appreciate your honesty in sharing that. That's not something that's easy to put out there for everybody. So I, I appreciate that. And we are going to go ahead and take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward our listeners. Wondering what's going on in the world? It's time for a quick check-in. This is Engaging Missions from the Field. A couple of weeks ago, I caught up with Jenny Beth Gardner from the Transformational Education Network. This is what we talked about. Our organization is definitely facing some challenges as far as we've lost not only Matt, but also Joe and our, um, due to uh, financial, you know, just losing their support base yeah. and then... Um, uh, Ray, one of our consultants, had to drop to part-time, and then another one of our ministers is, uh, I, one of our team members is looking to uh, change assignments just because he, you know, it's some, 10 for him always had been kind of a temporary thing he wanted to get, uh, get back to discipleship in Burkina. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so... Yeah, where, you know, if we also have time for ways people can get involved, I can definitely pitch that, hey, we're definitely in need of um, a communications man manager, a treasurer, um, editor, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody did think that maybe that would fit into what they're good at and wants to be involved, where should they go to connect? Um, probably just email um, 
uh, info at 103.org. Um, I believe Anthony's uh, uh, monitoring that. Um, and yeah, that's that's you know the good place to go just to touch base and say, hey, I'm interested. You know, what can I do? And then get plugged into the right place. We love hearing what God is doing wherever our guests are ministering. If you're connected to a former guest and would like to hear the update here, let them know about this segment of the Engaging Missions show. All right, we are back with Jim Baker. We just finished up hearing a little bit about his ministry, some of the amazing ways that God's worked in his life, and he was even kind enough to share with us one of the ways that God has worked through some things that he wished that might have been a little bit different in his past, but now we're shifting our focus away from that ministry and toward you as our listener. So Jim, what would you share with somebody who feels called into the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they do really matters for the kingdom? Sure. Uh pray ask god <laughs> does it does it matter in the kingdom is what i'm doing furthering the kingdom and his answer might be yes and he might be super proud of you and loving what you're doing and he might say no and he might tell you that he wants you to do something else and it could be something as radical as i want you to quit your job and move overseas or i want you to quit your job and and do this or so yeah just simply pray and ask the Lord if if your work and your time is pleasing to him. You know, Jim, one of the things that I've noticed living just outside of Nashville is that it seems like the face of the city is changing. My next door neighbor came here from Zimbabwe. My neighbor across the street came from another part of Africa. In this area, there are a lot of refugees entering from the, the east, if you will. And it's really easy to wake up one day and realize that this person you're standing next to in the grocery line isn't from here. What do you share with somebody as they're beginning to realize they're surrounded by the nations right here? Sure. And what a great, great opportunity that that is. Um, something that I'm really challenged by uh, with with Jimmy Turner. I, I've been mentioning his name a lot because yeah. it's the, the pastor that I'm working directly with is just this guy is super compassionate. And so when we look at other people and kind of have our walls up, that's not how Jesus did things. Jesus looked on the crowds with compassion, right? And so it's easy just to see people that are different than us and make judgments. Um, But there's a quote that just says, you'll have the most authority where you have the most love. And so if you want to really speak into people's lives, you need to love those people. And sometimes loving those people requires getting into their lives and asking them them questions, you know, And, and just stirring up conversation. So, Jim, is there a an internet resource, maybe something that you'd recommend for our listeners? Yeah. Utmost.org, I think that's the website. Uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers is online, and so you can check out his daily devotional every day. And that, somebody was talking about it just the other night. It's just so anointed. It seems like Oswald knows exactly what's going on in your life, and he <laughs> wrote this uh, devotional just for you that specific day. And it wasn't Oswald. It's, it's Jesus doing that as the living word, but yeah, just, it's, it's really short. It's got a short scripture and probably two paragraphs worth of content. And it's just always encouraging and challenging at the same time. And, and is that also the book that you'd recommend for our listeners or do you have a different book? Yeah, there's uh, the top three books that I'm always giving away. Uh, number one is Dave Ramsey's total money makeover. Okay. And, uh, your listeners probably probably know about that, but it just talks about getting out of debt and being able to save and just some real practical ways to do that. We followed those steps and were able to pay off uh, $30,000 worth of student loans in 
two and a half years, I think something like that. And that that's cool because the moment we got out of debt the next day or the day after that, we got called and asked to move to Hawaii to, to do ministry out, out there. So it was just like, wow, what a, that's why we wanted to get out of debt so that we could be more free to do ministry. And immediately we get asked to go help out in Hawaii. So, so. You're, you're suffering for Jesus down there. Because, right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What were the other two books? <laughs> the other two books, um, love and respect, uh, is just a great book on marriage for married people. And that concept just comes out of the book of Ephesians where women need love and men need respect. And, and so just that concept is something that we don't think. I think that we always try to love people in the way that we want to be loved. And so oh, yeah. we've got to really make sure that we're understanding that difference. And again, that's just a real practical book. It breaks it down really easy on how to, if you're not natural at respecting your husband, here's some ways that you can respect your husband. Or if it's not very natural for you to be loving towards your wife, then here's some ways that you can be loving to your wife. And the third book is uh, not a Christian book at all, all, and they're trying to think if there's some inappropriate content in it or not. But it's called uh, The War of Art. Oh, yeah. Pressfield. Yep, yep. And so that book, to me, almost seems prophetic. Um, not that it's coming from the Lord, but it's just, it's, it's an exciting book that really encourages you to get out and do the work. And for me, that's a book that we should have written for the kingdom. You know, like you've got to put in the hard work to further the kingdom and you're going to come up against resistance, fear, every excuse, you know, how am I going to pay my bills? Whatever, you know, these are, these are things that are going to come up and you have to just push through that resistance to further the kingdom. So that's a book that just has really served as a motivator and an inspiring book for me. That's great. Thank you for sharing those. Now, Jim, we are almost done. Would you mind sharing with us maybe one last piece of advice and the best way for us to connect with you? Sure. Yeah, Jesus is just so good, and uh, he's worth following, and he's going to provide. Matthew 6 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, and all this will be added unto you. And it's a true statement. Uh, my wife and I live off full-time uh partnership support for our salary. And God has just done amazing things in that realm. And we just continue to seek first the kingdom. That's our job. And his job is just to, yeah, to provide for us as we do that. And so that's not saying that you can't have a job and still seek first the kingdom. You know, there's God calls people to different things, but we have to be able to trust the Lord in the area of finances and the area of provision so that we can further to the kingdom of God in the way that he's calling us to do. Well, that's great. And what's a good way for people to connect with you? Sure. They can check out the podcast, doingministrywell.com, or I actually blog at jimjessbaker.com. That's Jim Jess as in Jessica, baker.com. Okay. And for those of you listening, I would like to encourage you to go stop by and listen to Doing Ministry Well. Just check out his podcast. And I think I forgot to mention this, but all of these uh, links and resources we've been talking about will be linked up in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Jim Baker. Now, Jim, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. It's really easy to uh, to go into a situation like that and and the first question that comes to mind is why like it and i think a lot of us do you know whenever something really tragic happens we run to that you know the age-old question of like if god is so good why would he allow this terrible thing to happen to me you know why do bad things happen to good people and i think it's just a it's a it's a 
tricky question and I don't think it's a healthy one to ask. I don't think it's very helpful because we'll never get an answer. And even if we did get an answer to that question, even if God showed up and said, well, this is why, would it help us in that moment? Like, would it ease the pain? I don't, I don't think it would. So I don't think why is a helpful question. Um, I think the better question, the way that I try to look at it is like, um, do I trust God? You know, in this moment, do I really trust God? Uh, because I know that I'm not going to get that answer, you know? And I just, that's the only thing I have at the end of the day is, is I do trust God with it, you know? If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.